people that say that, they have no Bible for what they believe. That just, they, they think by declaring it with some emphasis, well, I believe this, that therefore it makes it so. I mean, you may believe that it may be so, but, but there's no doctrine behind that. You know, I just think sometimes God uses sickness to help you. Okay, I mean, I can't have any faith in that statement until you say, because the Bible says this. Amen, because my faith, all of our faith can only be based upon the word of God, right? Uh, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word, of God. the word of God. So the foundation of all faith has to be in the word. It cannot be in things observed in the natural realm. And uh, if, if your faith is based upon your experiences or the experiences of people you know, then it's not really faith. It, it, it's really superstition uh, at best, right? Uh, and, and can be even an idolatry in worst case uh, because it's not based upon the word of God. So only faith can be based upon the word of God. Yeah, and uh, that shouldn't be a that shouldn't be a novel concept, right? But apparently it is. Uh, you know, oh, you know, you you're just so focused on the word, you know. Uh, okay, I mean, you're, and you're not. I mean, you know, do we need to have another discussion about something else here. So, anyway, so that's that's uh, um, it is what it is, and I can't change it. And, and uh, they haven't asked my opinion, so I won't write to, to them and tell them what my opinion is. Uh, but. Um, uh, it does happen. And so, you know, for your perspective, uh, you should always be careful about what you listen to from the standpoint of make sure that whatever is said is founded upon the word of God. Amen. And just because somebody says it doesn't matter who it is, uh, if they say it, you know, be asking yourself, where is the, the uh, foundation scripture for this idea? Right. Where, where is the basis of this doctrine that you just said uh, in the so I can have faith because I don't, my faith is never in what Brother Hagen, Lester Summerall, P.L. Osborne, you know, my faith is never in what any of those folks say. Never. It uh, doesn't matter even if it's Brother Hagen. It doesn't matter to me uh, if he just has an opinion of something and he was rare to do that, but if he has an opinion about something, uh, I mean, you know, I remember one time he said, I don't see ever any reason to ever wear shorts, you know. Uh, Okay, that's fine, you know, but that's kind of his opinion. There's nothing in the Bible that says thou shalt wear not wear shorts, right? So I'm not mad at him because he had that opinion. You know, his his generation was you know was fairly conservative in that to the point that they even wouldn't wear shorts. Uh, and I have no problem with not you know him not wearing shorts, but you know sometimes it's hot outside, you know, and sometimes you got to work outside. And you know I know some people wear dress pants and wingtips to mow the yard. Well, I'm not really interested in doing that, you know. I, you know I'm gonna wear flip flops and shorts, you know, and um, and um, uh, and so because what's the difference between shorts and short sleeve shirts? I mean, is is one thing you know? Can you have a a shirts that are too small and too short and, and be inappropriate? Well, sure you can. I mean, can you have shorts that are too small and, and uh, you know, yeah, sure you can, right? So it's not, you know, anything can be inappropriate. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's really up to uh, uh, where your heart's at in those things. Amen. Uh, so, uh, so even though, uh, you know, he believed that, uh, you know, he doesn't have book, chapter, and verse, and that's just kind of his thoughts and his, his way of living. And again, that's really his conscience. And so I can't I can't say, well, you're wrong. That's you know, if that's what your conscience says, you shouldn't do that. Then that's fine. Right. Uh, but then um, but I can't base my faith on that because he's got no Bible for that. Right. Uh, and so uh, that doesn't mean he's wrong in saying that. Uh, it's just it just what is what it is. Right. Uh, and so I'm not going to say he's wrong. And because I don't have any Bible that says I'm right. I don't have any Bible that says thou shalt wear shorts. Right. So 
if the Lord didn't say, then it's really up to you what you want to do, right? Uh, as long as it doesn't violate other principles of the Word of God. So, um, so uh, we're here in um, uh, in a chapter with uh, uh, Dr. Yeoman's book, uh, and uh, she's talking about safety first, and uh, and then how how did the nation of Israel uh, stay safe from uh, from sickness and disease when they were coming out of uh, uh, out of Egypt? And so she was talking about the use of the uh, uh, the Passover lamb there, uh, and we I think we finished up with uh, what her sister said because they lived during the Spanish flu, right? And so the Spanish flu, as far as I know, has killed way more people than, than COVID has killed. And it was, it was a much worse um, uh, pandemic and epidemic around the world. Uh, and, um, uh, but she said, uh, this is her sister speaking, she said, here is one house on which you will never see an influenza placard. So they would, if you got the flu, they would come and put a sign on your, on your house, you know, quarantined or, you know, uh, they've got the flu, so don't come nearby there. And so uh, she said, uh, you will never see an influence of placard for the blood is here and God will not see it dishonored. Uh, and so she talks a little bit about the blood of the lamb here. And uh, uh, and we'll have a couple of comments here at the end of it. But she started with in Hebrews, of course, Hebrews chapter nine says in verse 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without shedding of blood, there is no remission. So one of the things we need to understand is uh, in our world, because, you know, uh, in my opinion, uh, the, the blood of Jesus is often used beyond its intended purpose. And so uh, if you look at uh, Hebrews 9.22, what was the purpose of the shedding of the blood? It said for the remission of sins, right? So the blood, uh, the blood of a lamb is directly tied to our sins, right? Uh, and, and is that true? Well, it's true because that's what it says, right? Uh, and so if you look at the plan of redemption, there was a lot of things that had to get done in the plan of redemption. One of them was a sin problem. One of them was a sickness problem. One of them was, a, was a, the fact that we were uh, dead spirits, right? That was a problem. One was a, that we had no authority. That was a problem. So each of those things, that wasn't all everything, but each of those things had to be dealt with with a specific uh, act in the plan of redemption. And so... We know sin was dealt with by the blood. We know that sickness was done, uh, taken care of by the stripes. We know, you know, for example, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. So the thorns were, uh, that was placed upon his head was the payment so that we could have peace. Uh, and and uh, the authority was, was retrieved by going into hell. The, the, the problem with our spiritual life was, was taken care of by Jesus being separated from God and basically dying spiritually. Uh, of course, he's alive now. That right there will get you stoned in a few places, right? Uh, but each each of the problems with redemption was resolved by a different aspect of what Jesus did from the time of Gethsemane to the time of the resurrection. Uh, and so, uh, so, of course, sin was a huge problem. But uh, the, the plan of redemption, the goal of redemption was not to remove sin. Amen? That was not the final goal. The final goal was, according to Galatians 3.14, was so that we could have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. That was the goal. But to achieve that goal, he had to deal with sin, didn't he? He couldn't put a, a new spirit in a, in a sinful uh, spirit. So he had to deal with the sin problem. He couldn't put the spirit in a dead spirit. So he had to deal with the, the spiritual death problem. Uh, and so 
so, uh, but a lot of times people see sin as being the primary goal of redemption. And that was never the primary goal. That was just, I've got to get to the end goal, which is to get the Spirit of God in humanity. And in order to achieve that goal, I've got several things that I've got to do in order to get there. And one of them, a big part of it, of course, was sin. And, and uh, Hebrews tells us then that, uh, that there can be no remission or forgiveness of sin unless blood is shed somewhere. And if you go all the way back to the garden, uh, after Adam and Eve sinned, what was the very th first thing that God did? He sacrificed, right? So an animal had to die. Blood was shed so that Adam and Eve could be covered. Uh, and so, uh, so the covering is the covering of the sin. Uh, of course, now we're not, we're not, our sin is not atoned for. Our sin is removed, right? Our sin is washed away. So we got a better, we got a better deal than the Old Covenant. Old Covenant, all it could do was atone for the sin or cover the sin. But in the New Testament, our sin is removed, right? It's remitted. Uh, and so uh, it's, uh, uh, we've got a better than they had it in the Old Testament. Uh, and so, uh, and then she talked about the things that uh, in the Old Testament when they were going through the Passover, what were the what was the basic rules for the Passover? Uh, and so, of course, the first one was the blood had to be shed, right? The lamb had to be slain before they could put the the blood. And she that's when she quoted the Hebrews chapter nine, uh, and uh, and it had to be applied, right? Uh, and of course, that's a big deal, right? Uh, and so uh, she quotes Romans three twenty five. This is whom God has set forth to be a propitiation uh, or a payment uh, for uh, through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Uh, and I, I remember years ago looking up, you know, propitiation means a payment for it. But I looked up the word propitiation and it said uh, propitiation means an expiation. Which doesn't help you at all, right? I mean, uh, you know, that's one sixty four dollar word replaced with another sixty four dollar word, right? Uh, and so, but it, it means a payment for it, right? Uh, and so, uh, I thought maybe that was an accounting term. I don't know if it was expiation and an accounting term. It sounds like an accounting. It sounds like an important $64 accounting word. Uh, but, um, but again, what, what is sin or what is the blood related to in Romans 3.25? For the remission of sins, right, that are passed. So, uh, it's got nothing. It doesn't say anything about healing. Right? It doesn't say anything about uh, being filled with the Spirit. It doesn't say anything about um, authority being retrieved. It's, it's always in relation to when sin is spilled, it covers uh, the, the sin problem. Amen? Uh, and it's true. Does it cover the sin problem? It does. Amen? So we, we never want to diminish sin, uh, but it had to be applied. And, and, so, and that's, that should tell you right there why uh, even though uh, Jesus died on the cross, and how many sins did Jesus pay for on the cross? What about for that guy over there? Do you pay for that guy's sins? What about the guy that sins going tomorrow on Tuesday? Right? Is it, is, are those sins paid for? Yeah. So every sin's ever been paid for. So does that mean everybody gets to go to heaven? No. Why? Because it has to be applied, right? Even though somebody uh, killed the 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 lamb there in Egypt uh, as part of the Passover, you still had to take that and put put it on your doorpost, right, on your lintel of your of your house, and uh, well, you know, the blood was shed. That's fine. It's taken care of. No, I can guarantee you. Now, nobody did it, but if anybody said it, it was slain, that's sufficient, right? Uh, and the death angel would have seen the lack of blood on the door, and somebody would have died in a house, right? Uh, they were, it's so funny how, how Israel was so fickle after Egypt and uh, in the wilderness, uh, and, 
and yet they were very, very specific to make sure they followed every every jot and tittle of the law here during the Passover, which was good for them, right? Because it, it saved their lives. Uh, and so, uh, and not just to be applied, but applied openly uh, on the doorpost and the lintel there, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, some people act like, well, they're, well, my relationship with the Lord is private. Uh, there was no private doorposts uh, of uh, blood being p- uh, applied there during a Passover there. So, um, so there, it was a public confession uh, of the Lord there, right? Uh, and so, and, and she mentions Exodus twelve twenty two, uh, which says, And you shall take uh, a bunch of hyssop uh, and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin, and none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. Uh, and so up to this point, so everything is good up to this point, and then she makes a statement that says, so we must ever abide under the shadow of the cross. Uh, and so, so she's kind of conflating uh, the blood with staying healed. Uh, and a lot of people do that. A lot of people feel like, well, if I confess the blood of Jesus, then that will keep me well. But what does First Peter 2.24 say? That by his what? By his stripes, uh, we were healed, right? So, I mean, I know blood would happen because of that, but it's specifically the stripes that he took on his back uh, and really all of his body, not just on his back, but the stripes that he bore are what paid for the, the sickness, right? Not the shedding of the blood, specifically the shedding of the blood was, ju- was just for the sin, amen? Now, again, we're not trying to diminish anything. We just want to find out what the Word says. We read d- the verses here that she also quoted, and they specifically line up the blood of the Lord Jesus dealing with, with sin. Now, are you washed clean and made clean by the, by the blood? Sure you are. So, you know, there is an aspect of that that just for your own confession that you're made clean because a lot of times the devil will come and try to condemn you. Oh, look at you. You're a horrible person, you know. And you can confess, hey, I'm made clean by the blood. I'm not made clean by my good works. I'm made clean by the blood. And that's a fair confession because that's what the Word says, that you're made clean by the blood. Uh, and so, you know, in, in, your, in your daily devotion or your confession, it's good to confess that you're made clean by the blood. Uh, but it, you're made clean from what, though? From your sins, right? So that's that's the, the it's still wrapped up in the same concept of, of uh, that, uh, and so the reason I got a little bit of a problem with this, uh, so we must ever abide under the shadow of the cross. Well, who's at the cross right now? Well, no one. Where's Jesus at? He seated where? On the right hand of the Father on the throne of what? Throne of grace, right? So he's not on. He's not at the cross, and he's sure not at the mercy seat. He's at the throne of grace. And so if we go hang out of the cross, you know, it'd be like, well, well uh, where's Jesus, right? Right. And yeah, and never and never comes back. Right. So why do we want to be out there? Right. The, they, they lay the hands on the scapegoat and put the sins on the scapegoat, and it goes out into the wilderness, right? Uh, and, you know, uh, that is a type of the Lord Jesus, and, you know, I mean, you could make it the type of, of the devil as well. I don't I have a big problem with that. Um, but, uh, but the problem with, with the statement that we must ever abide under the shadow of the cross, 
uh, Jesus isn't there. Uh, and it's just, you know, I had a similar conversation with somebody who believes strong in the mercy seat. No, we need to go to the mercy seat. Well, the mercy seat was where? What, what specifically is the mercy seat? It's the top of the Ark of the Covenant, right? So you had, you had the Ark of the Covenant. On top of that, you had a covering. You had two cherubims. They were facing each other, wings, you know, winged creatures facing each other. And, and, that, and, and the spot between those two winged creatures was the mercy seat. And that's where they would pour the blood on the mercy seat. And, you know, and so Jesus, actually Jesus is the mercy seat. So that's why there's not a mercy seat today. He is the mercy seat seated on the throne of grace. That's why you can go to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need because Jesus is the mercy seat. Uh, and so, uh, so, but he, you know, they're big on, we've got to go to the mercy seat. Even there's a song, right? Run to the mercy seat. Uh, and, and um, you know, so I said, well, we don't run to the mercy seat. And they said, well, you've got to give me book, chapter, and verse for it. So I gave him several, I mean, a bunch of verses, you know. It says that, you know, Jesus sits on a throne of grace, you know. And, and, uh, and so having given them several verses, mostly in Hebrews, they said, well, I'm still going to go to the mercy seat. I said, well, brother, there's nobody there, you know. I mean, there is a mercy seat in heaven. It's just empty, right, because the, everything that Moses had was a reflection of things in heaven, Right. Uh, made out of the pattern. But that seat is empty. Jesus moved from the mercy seat because that's all they could get in the Old Testament to now the throne of grace is what we have in the New Testament. So it, it, there may it may be there, but it's empty. Right. And there's a for rent sign, you know, vacancy sign on it. And, and um, well, I'm still going to go to the mercy seat. Praise God. Ain't nobody going to be there, though. You know, be lonely over there by yourself. But um, and so so I just and maybe it's because I'm just picky. Uh, I'm not trying to be picky and split hairs because I can't have faith in an empty cross. My faith is not in an empty cross. Why would my faith be in an empty cross? You know, now Catholics, by law, you're required to have Jesus on the cross, which is kind of even worse because why are we looking at Jesus on the cross? He's not there, right? And, and he's all sad. And he was always bent over and he's always kind of naked and kind of looks like a girl, you know, and, uh, and, and um, I mean, you know, why, why are we, why is Jesus, he's not on the cross, Get him off the cross, right? Uh, and so, and because it was a place, it, uh, the Bible says that, that uh, uh, if you're on the cross, you're cursed. So why are we looking at Jesus in the moment of him being cursed? Because he was cursed, because it cursed everything hanging on a tree. So he was cursed. Being on, why, why would we look at him in his cursed state? Why would we look at him at the, at the lowest possible point? Uh, I think there was one more point lower than that when he died and went to hell. But, but still, a pretty low point in his life. He hadn't, he hadn't died yet, so no sins had been remitted yet. Uh, you know, it was until the resurrection that everything was completed. Uh, and so, uh, and I'm not mad at anybody, but, but I think sometimes in our religion, in our thoughts of trying to sound spiritual, that we say things that sound spiritual, you know, we must ever abide under the shadow of the cross. Doesn't that sound spiritual? It's, oh, yeah, brother's right, brother. Shadow of the cross, right? And we'll cry and shed a tear or two. I'm, I'm just, you know, hanging out at the shadow of the cross. <laughs> but you're there by yourself because Jesus is like, hey, where's he at? He's over there at the cross. Why is he over there? I don't know. He's singing him song, you know, and so he's going to be at the cross. Well, tell him, come over here with the rest of us, you know, because uh, he ain't there. Jesus isn't there. Amen. Uh, don't, don't hang out at an empty spot, right? Don't go hang out at the tomb. I'm going to hang out at the tomb of Jesus. So why are you doing that? Remember what the angel said? Why are you here? You know? The angels are saying the same thing. Everybody's hanging at the cross. Why are you there? You know, uh, they, nobody's at the tomb. Nobody's at the cross. Nobody, 
nobody at the mercy seat. He's only in the throne of grace. Amen. So uh, let's let's uh, be a little picky and, and go with what the word says. Follow the word because only our faith can only increase when we follow the word. There's no faith in ever abide on the shadow of the cross. Amen. I'm sure, you know, somebody's written a bunch of songs like that, you know. Uh, but um, again, we're, we're, we're not mad at nobody or anything like that. But um, uh, but I want to have my faith where it should be. Amen. And I think it's good and healthy to confess that you're washed in his blood, that you're clean because of the blood of Jesus, that you're made uh, whole and righteous by the blood of Jesus because you are right. There's a great price paid for your sins. And there was nothing more precious in all the universe than the than the blood of Jesus. But that dealt with the purchasing of you out of the sin nature. Uh, and it didn't deal with everything else that had to be dealt with. Uh, and, and it didn't deal with your sickness that was ca taken care of by the stripes, right? Uh, and so, uh, so uh, uh, she did mention uh, plenty of other good verses, though. Uh, she mentioned uh, Psalm 105, 37, which is an amazing statement, where it says that he brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble among their tribes. You think about that. There was roughly between one and two million people leaving Egypt. Uh, and it says he brought them forth with silver and gold and not one feeble among them. Out of a millions of people, right, maybe as many as two million people uh, that came out of Egypt. Not one, right, not one in a scooter, not one in, in a walker, not one in a wheelchair. Nobody was feeble. And I got this, uh, you know, I'm walking on myself. I'm walking on dry land by myself, you know, nobody's carrying me across. Uh, I mean, you can't get, you know, 100 people together. You probably can't get uh, 20 people together without somebody being feeble, right? Uh, and so that, that right there is an, is an amazing statement, right? Uh, and so, uh, and then um, uh, she was talking about how, how strong uh, they were when they came out of Egypt. So she quoted that in Psalm 105. And then uh, let's turn back to Numbers chapter 23, um, I really like this verse because um, it's not so much in, in relation to our dealing with healing, but just it's just a good verse. Um, so uh, it says here in uh, Numbers 23, and let's start in verse, uh, uh, well, I'm going to start in verse 19. It's not what she said, but I just like verse 19, so we're going to read it. Uh, it says, God is not a man that he should lie. Well, there you go, right? Uh, that, that tells a lot of things right there. Uh, Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? That's a great uh, verse to, to commit to your heart. Amen. That if he said it, it's going to be done. Uh, and if he spoke it, uh, it's, he's going to make good by it. Amen. So none of this, well, he changed his mind. None of this, he doesn't heal anymore. Then, th then uh, if, if people say that God doesn't heal anymore, then that's in violation of Numbers 23, 19, because he said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. If he said, I am the Lord that healeth thee, and he no longer heals thee, then, uh, then he has repented. He's changed what he said, right? Uh, he's lied. Uh, he's, he's not going to do what he said, uh, and he's not going to make good with what he said. Uh, so he violates those, uh, that verse in every possible way, amen? So he's not a man that he should lie. Uh, neither is the son of man that he should repent. Uh, and then he comes down to uh, verse 21, and it says, He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath uh, he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with them, and the shout of a king is among them. Now, uh, 
there here in, in the wilderness in the book of Numbers? Uh, and is there a king in Israel at this point in time? No, there's just Moses, right? Just Moses is running Israel and he's not a king. Uh, but there is a shout of a king among them. You know, the, the Lord, the Lord told Israel, I want to be your king. Uh, and the shout of a king was was in their camp. Uh, and it's just a reflection of that, that there was a king and his name was God, Jehovah. Uh, and uh, it's it was among them. And it continues in verse 22, it says, God brought them out of Egypt. He uh, he hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. And I'm sure there's a lot of details about the unicorn. It's not uh, I'm assuming that uh, there is strength in the unicorn. Uh, but I don't know much about unicorns, but uh, I know they're horse-like creatures, and uh, are, they, uh, are they strong? Uh, they are strong, right? Uh, and our health should be strong. We should have strong health, amen? Uh, and the reason why we, uh, and now this was spoken in the Old Testament, right? These were things that were spoken way back uh, before salvation, before the new birth, before the indwelling of the Spirit of God. And the Bible says that, that if he that, uh, uh, that raised Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, then he shall quicken or make alive your mortal body. And, and that's one thing that we need to just meditate on, that the life, that the God's life that's in me, the Zoe life, dispels darkness, dispels death, dispels everything that's contrary to the Word of God, if we'll have faith in that life that lives on the inside of us. Amen. Uh, but but even they in the Old Testament had the strength of a unicorn. Uh, and, and so uh, now you reckon there were any old people that came out of out of uh, uh, out of uh, Egypt into the promised land? Well, they sure they, they, I mean, there had to be a bunch of them. Right. Because, I mean, they'd been in Egypt for for 430 years. So surely somebody is older. I mean, even Moses was 80 years old when he started, right? And when he ended the wilderness, he was 120 years old. And Joshua was 100, 110 years old when he died. And Caleb, you remember Caleb, uh, when, he, when, he was, uh, uh, when he was 85, he said, I'm as strong today as I was 40 years ago when Moses sent us into the wilderness to spy out the land. Uh, so uh, even though there was aged people in Israel, uh, or in, in this case, or of course, at this point, we're in the, in the wilderness, we're out of Egypt. But uh, when they came out, they were as strong as a unicorn. Uh, and Psalm says that there was not one people among their tribes. So that was the people of the covenant of God. They were they were members of the covenant of Israel. And because of that, they had access to these blessings to stay strong and healthy until the last day of their of their natural life. Amen. And, and you know, the thing that's that's interesting is. If that's the way they lived, then it sounds that that's the way the nation of Israel lived for many for many years, that they lived healthy. They lived free from sickness, and disease. And when they died, they just died, you know, at whatever time they were supposed to die and not not um, due to being feeble and not due, due to being sick. I was talking to somebody the other day. They went to a, a word church and they said, well, you know, if if uh, uh, if covid is the way that God wants me to take take me out, then that's just then that's just his will. Now, they didn't ask my opinion because I'm thinking blah, 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 right? Because God ain't planning on, you know, I'm going to take that one out by COVID. I'm going to take that one out by COVID. He ain't planning that, you know, because uh, he said with long life, he'll satisfy us, right? Unless you get COVID, then, then you're out of here, right? Uh, you know, and I hated to, uh, you know, correct somebody because, again, they didn't ask my opinion. 
What do you think about that? You know, I'd have just shook my head and go, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. If they had asked my opinion, that's what I would have said. Um, and so, uh, so, you know, but that wasn't the confession of Israel. The confession of Israel, we're strong as unicorns. And I'm just, I'm just assuming that's a good thing, right? You know, because we don't have any unicorns around here today to, to check on them, but uh, I'm assuming that's a good thing. But we do know that they came out and there was not one feeble among their tribes. Uh, uh, and that's pretty amazing. But, you know, a lot of times uh, when, they, when there's that widespread of healing, you know, they don't have any concept of sickness and disease. Uh, even though the rest of the world was still suffering with sickness and disease and, and dying early and what, whatever, you know, Israel didn't really have that concept. They didn't think about, you know, that I'm, I'm sick and diseased and feeble and weak and old and uh, infirmed. Uh, that's not the way they lived. That's not the way they thought. Uh, and so, so we can look at that. Uh, and then, uh, then if you want to tie the Old Testament with the New Testament, then uh, you turn over to First uh, Corinthians chapter ten. And it says, uh, of course, we could read a lot of things out of chapter 10, but we're going to just read uh, one verse here in particular. It says, now these things were our examples. So what things it's talking about? If you look at the context of verses 1 through 5, it's the things that the Lord recorded that Egypt or that the nation of Israel did uh, or things that happened to them in the Old Testament. And so they were recorded for our, uh, uh, they were these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things. Uh, and so, um, and there's one other verse. Yeah, verse 11. I like verse 11 a little bit better. Now, all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition or instruction upon the whom's the ends of the world are come. Uh, and so, the things that the Lord decided to record from the nation of Israel, because is that, is the Old Testament a complete history of everything the nation of Israel ever did? No, I mean, you know, uh, you know, somebody, you know, ate a donut. Well, that was never recorded, right? I mean, there's all kinds of things they did and, and happened to them. Many good things, I'm sure, that were not recorded. Uh, but the things that were recorded, we have to trust that the Lord chose those things for a reason. And so when we see things that, like said that they had the strength of a unicorn and not one feeble uh, was among them in the entire tribes, then uh, it says that these things were our examples. Amen? Uh, so we can look at them. Well, if they can live free from sickness and disease, then they're an example to me. And, uh, of course, we can tie that in with, with Hebrews uh, that uh, says we have a better covenant based upon better promises, right? Uh, that's in Hebrews chapter 8. Uh, and so uh, the things that were recorded, uh, we should be able to look at them. Well, Lord, you know, if they lived that way, if they lived free from sickness and disease, if they lived as, as strong as a unicorn, if they lived without being feeble, regardless of their age, if if we can claim when I'm 85 that I'm strong now as I was uh, when I was 45, uh, if, if we can read that Moses died at 120 and his eyes were not dim and his natural forces were not abated, uh, if we can read these things, Lord, and they're examples for us, and we have a better covenant based upon better promises, then, then how much better should we be able to live? Uh, and that's really what we should be reading when we looking at the New Testament, looking at the Old Testament, is uh, where are things that they had that were a blessing that, 
that we can have even more, uh, more abundance of because we live in a better covenant. Amen. Uh, and so they lived under the covenant. They made a mistake. An animal had to die. Right. We live under the covenant. that If we make a mistake, we plead the blood of Jesus. Right. That the, it cleanses us from all sin. Uh, and so another scripture in Hebrews uh, that she mentions is Hebrews 11:40. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should should not be made perfect. So God has provided a better thing for us. And the better thing is is really all wrapped up in the Lord Jesus. Right. Uh, and so if God has provided something better for us, then anything we see in the Old Testament, we should be able to say, well, I want it at least that good and really better. Right. So we can have whatever they had, except we can have it better. Uh, and so. Uh, it's uh, um, and, and really that's the way we should think. Our thinking should be, you know, look at these things that, that had the Old Testament and and really, uh, when it, when the nation of Israel was always in the perfect will of God, uh, what was their life like? It was great, right? No sickness, no disease, no defeat, no destruction, no plagues, no death. You know, I mean, other than just when your time had come, but uh, no dying early and that sort of thing, right? Uh, their um, all their animals were blessed. All their land was blessed. It's pretty good to be in Israel when when things were going good, right? When you were in the will of God, uh, and we we should not look at that from a uh, well. Wouldn't that be nice? We should look at that and go. Well, that's just kind of table stakes, right? That's just the beginning. That's where we should start with whatever they had at the best point of their life. That should be where we start at the very minimum. Amen. And then we go on from there. Uh, because we have the new birth in us. And so, you know, for example, in the Old Testament, uh, only the prophet, priest, and king had the Spirit of God. Everybody else had to go and find a prophet, priest, and king if they wanted to know something about the Spirit of God, if they wanted to know something from the Spirit of God. They had to go find a priest, right? Had to go find, go find a prophet and had to ask them. Uh, and so, uh, so that wasn't a very good promise, but we, we now know that the veil has been torn in half, right? torn asunder we now can go into the holy of holies as if we're the high priest ourselves into the presence of almighty god ourselves we don't have to go find a man to do that so uh what they had the blessings in the old testament were just a starting point so we get all of that plus we get to go into the holy of holies we get to go into the manifest presence of god so we do have it better in every way and now some people say want to say well we only have it better in spiritual things but in natural things we don't have it better you know, and well, that doesn't make any sense. You know, well, the Old Testament, they, they, all, they had to depend on God for healing. But in the New Testament, we've got doctors, right? Well, just go back a couple thousand years. I mean, wasn't Luke a doctor? You know, I mean, as much as I like Luke, I would not want Luke operating on me, right? You know, let's put a leech on him, see if that helps, right? Uh, let, let's, uh, uh, I think, was it Alexander the Great died because they, they gave him mercury? Because, they, you know, this will probably help them, right? Of course, mercury is a terribly poisonous thing, right? I mean, it'd kill you just, uh, uh, you know, if you eat, eat some of it. Uh, and so, uh, but even today, you know, uh, they, they do all these drugs and they say, well, you know, this drug will probably help you. But you might end up with an extra toe, you know, maybe a third uh, finger somewhere here and there, you know. I mean, uh, and, and why is that? And they don't really know. It's like, well, it does this, but we don't know why it does that. But we know it does that, but we don't know why it does that, you know, and. Why is that? Because they're limited in their knowledge. So, I mean, we're not trying to disparage the medical industry. We thank God for them, for everything that they've learned. But it's still, is that as good as being healed supernaturally? You know, I mean, uh, Dora was going to go get a whole new, become the bionic woman over there with a brand new shoulder and arm and everything. 
and and, uh, uh, and and that's great, right? We thank God that they could do that, right? Change out, you know, your arms and legs and heads and necks and everything. And, uh, you know, uh, pretty soon they'll be doing brain transplants and everything. But uh, but is that better to go under surgery for hours and then have a year recovery with physical therapy and pain and, and discomfort for a whole year and, and maybe get full use, but maybe probably 90% only? Is that better than, than God Almighty just restoring everything uh, without pain and, and no physical therapy? I mean, how is that better? But um, so, I, you know, I, and for, for me personally, you know, I, I always struggle with Christians who are trying to be mediocre in their faith. Uh, you know, just trying to, well, you know, we only need to have some, we don't, we don't want to go too far in faith. We right about here is a good level of faith. You know, here's too much, right? Now, we want to have faith, but just, you know, maybe this kind of faith right here, whatever that is. I don't know what that is, but right here, there's no healing, right? Right here, there's no supernatural provision. You know, this amount of faith there is, but this amount of faith gets you in heaven, right? But that's as far, that's kind of, you know, we don't want to go really much further than that. That'd be, that would be, you know, out of control. Uh, and I've, I've always wondered why, you know, there seems to be a really strong desire to have mediocrity, mediocre faith, right? Uh, and uh, I don't want mediocre faith. I want, I want all that there is, right? So if God provided something better for us, then then we then again, that means everything in the Old Testament is just the beginning point. Right. That if we got it better than whatever they had, that's the minimum. That's the very minimum that we should have and desire. And of course, then she quotes uh, Exodus fifteen twenty six at the end of it. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Uh, and that word Lord is Jehovah. And that word heal healeth thee is Rapha. So I am Jehovah Rapha uh, and uh uh, so the Lord didn't declare, he didn't say, I am uh, a God who heals. I, he said, I am Jehovah Rapha. So that's who I am. That's not what I do. It's who I am. Uh, and so, so to say that God doesn't heal, would ha- would God, he would have to uh, say, I am no longer that, right? Uh, he would have to deny who he was. And, and, you know, just like God is love. So God doesn't just have the capacity to love, God is love. It's part of his, who he is. It's part of what defines him as being God. Uh, and so but you'd have to say, well, God, you know, he no longer loves us. You know, he likes us a whole lot. But, you know, he, he stopped loving us, you know. Um, I think in their country song like that, right? He stopped loving her today. So, you know, I think some people sing that song, right, about the Lord. You know, he stopped loving today. Uh, and uh, no, has he ever stopped loving? He can't because it's who he is. I am love, right? God is love. Uh, and uh, in the area of healing, he is healer. He is, that's who he is. I am Jehovah Rapha. Uh, and so, uh, so, so we need to know these things, right? We need to know uh, where these things are said. We need to know where they are in the word because uh, he said in Proverbs uh, 4.22 uh, that if you find these words, uh, if you find out what the word says, it says, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Uh, and in the context, in fact, I think it'd be good to just go back to Proverbs chapter 4 and read those verses because those are just great verses uh, there in Proverbs chapter 4. So, because uh, he really starts that uh, context there a couple of verses earlier than that. He says in verse 20, Proverbs chapter 4, 20, says, My son, attend to my what? To my word. So, Lord, what did you say? Well, one of the things he said, I am Jehovah Rapha, right? Uh, that's what he said. So, attend 
to, to those words, right? Then, then you're, you're an attendant, right? I, I have to pay attention and watch over these words. Incline thine ears, thine ear to my sayings. Uh, let them not depart from thine eyes. Uh, and uh, that right there is why there are a lot of sick Christians. They have let the word that God is Jehovah Rapha depart from their eyes. Well, I didn't even know God was a healer. Well, then, then, then that has departed from your eyes. And how many people in the church still today don't know that God is the healer? They think God is a healer, but he, they don't know that he, God is their healer. But God is their healer because uh, he said, I am the Lord that healeth thee, right? Not I am the Lord that sometimes heal, and I'm not the Lord who heals everybody else except for you. He said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Uh, and so that means if it's thee, then it's me. Uh, and so, but we have to attend to them. We have to turn our ears to them. We have to not allow them to depart from our eyes. And we have to keep them in the midst of our heart. So if you can keep them, that means you can lose them. Amen. So, you know, the, these are all of these things imply a, uh, an intended will on our part to do these things, because if we don't do these things, none of these things happen automatically. All of these ha happen by our choice. Right. Because our attending of his words is our choice. Inclining our ears to his sayings is our choice. Let, letting them not depart from our eyes is our choice and keep them in the midst of our heart is is our choice. And yet people say, if God wants to heal me, he will. And yet they're saying right here, you know, you've got uh, uh, what, how many things you got attend, incline, uh, not depart, keep. That's f uh, four different things that we're responsible uh, to do in relation to these words. And they're all entirely our choice. Right. This has not got anything to do with the sovereignty of God. This is what, you, what you're choosing to do. And if you do these things, then the result of you doing those things is these words are life unto those that find them and health to what? All of your flesh. Well, every time it rains, you know, all my joints ache. Well, I thought it was health to all of your flesh, right? Uh, well, you know, I, uh, I'm always the first one to get the flu. Well, I thought it was, a, uh, I thought it was health to all your flesh, right? Um, yeah, and, and it's really hard to get around this verse because if it's health to all of your flesh, what's left out? Well, there's nothing left out, right? So, I mean, you can... Use these words to declare, you know, uh, I have health applied to all of my flesh because I'm doing what verses 20 and 21 say to do. So, the, you know, these are uh, these are all good, uh, all good uh, verses and they all tie tie well and together in the area of healing. Because if you if you allowed the the words of healing to depart from your eyes then that those words of healing are no longer help to all of your flesh, right? Because now, you know, well, I'm just not, I just don't know if God heals anymore. Then those words, because uh, we've got four things that are our responsibility in verses 20 and 21, and if we're not doing our responsibility, then it's not that God has taken healing from you. It's that the, the words that should be helped to all your flesh are no longer applied in your life. Uh, and God's not putting it on you. It's you've walked away from your responsibilities and are no longer qualified uh, for the benefits of these verses, right? Because it, verse 22 is the promise, but verses 20 and 21 are the requirements to obtain the promise. Uh, and a lot of times people want the promise without attaining to uh, the responsibilities to get the promise, right? Uh, and so, well, you know, uh, well, uh, I want God to heal me. Well, give me one verse on healing. I don't know any. Well, if you don't know any, 
then you're not attending to his words. You're not inclining your ear to his sayings, right? You've not kept them in the midst of your heart, uh, and, and um, you've allowed them to depart from your eyes, right? Uh, and so how is it possible that he, that he could, uh, is he going to look at you and go, well, I know you've not done what I told you to do to get this promise, but I'm just going to give it to you anyway. Uh, I mean, he could do that. He, knew he, he does have some level of, of, of course, he's 100% sovereign, but he sometimes will, will allow himself to be sovereign in your life, but you can't really depend on that, but you can depend on this, because if you say, Lord, I've done all these things, so now uh, there is life to me, and it's health to all my flesh. So if you've got any flesh that's not acting right, you just point to it and say, uh, there's health for you because I am doing these things over here. And, 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 you know, you can make that case. And I make that case plenty of times to the Lord. Lord, I'm doing, I'm doing what you say I'm doing, verses 20 and 21. And so, therefore, it's health to all my flesh. What we don't want to say is, well, I'm doing everything. I wonder why it's not working. Well, then you're not really, you know, keeping him in the midst of your heart. Uh, because if you're keeping him in the midst of your heart, then you know that if you do what it says, then you get what it says. Uh, and so the, the faith doesn't waver in that. You say, well, I am healthy because it's, I'm doing what it says. Uh, and, if you, and this is not a hard thing to figure out, you know, well, Lord, am I, am I really attending to your words? I mean, that should be pretty easy to figure out, right? Uh, you know, uh, uh, well, Lord, am I really inclining my ears to your sayings? And a lot of people will second guess everything. Well, maybe not doing it enough. Well, what's enough? Well, enough is enough. I don't know what the number is. Enough is enough. You know if you're doing these things, right? Uh, and so, and it's not like, well, you know, I, I skipped Bible reading yesterday morning, you know, uh, uh, and zap, you know, you're dead. No, it's not, it doesn't work that way, right? Uh, and so, so don't second guess yourself. Don't uh, wonder or maybe, you know, maybe I'm not attending enough, you know. You're not earning it. You know, you're just staying qualified by doing what it says. You know, it was already paid for you by the blood of Jesus. And so, uh, just... Don't beat yourself up and don't don't allow the devil to, to make you second guess every single thing because he will. He'll make you second guess. Well, if, if you got a cold, well, maybe maybe you know maybe you're not inclining enough, right? Uh, and and um, no, you know the way I see it is I will always follow the word. You know I think I mentioned that the, my right elbow was bothering me a week or two ago, and uh, I just spoke to it. I'm not having that. It ain't bothering my elbow there at all. You know. I'd be like Dora over there. Look at me, raise my elbow there. It works fine, right? I ain't got no problem with my elbow. Uh, and, um, you know, and I go, well, I, wonder, I wonder if I'm inclining. I wonder, I wonder if, I, if my elbow is hurting me because I violated some part of Proverbs 4, 20, and 21. Uh, you know, I don't even think that way. The, the only thing that ever, for me, if something is not working uh, uh, at all, then I'll go to the Lord. And, uh, and, and all I do to go to the Lord is, Lord, Seems like this is not operating as quickly as maybe I needed to. Just checking in uh, anything that I need to deal with that I haven't dealt with. And, and, you know, maybe there's something. But if there's not, if he doesn't, you know, because isn't he big enough to tell you? Uh, don't buy into that. It must be some secret sin, you know, some dark sin, you know. Then, then what are you not asking him, not talking to him? I thought you had a relationship with him, right? Uh, why don't you just ask? You ever met people, you know, I wonder what they think about it. Why don't you just ask him? Oh, I don't want to ask him, you know, because they might say something. Well, then, then don't wonder about it, right? Uh, uh, but if, 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 if the question is even there, I would just go to the Lord in boldness because don't we have the throne of grace, right? Didn't he say, come, how do we come to the throne of grace? Boldly come to the throne of grace, right? 
in fact, I think it'd be good for you to read those uh, verses over there in Hebrews chapter 4, because this is really how you need to deal with these things. This is how you need to deal with any sickness in, in your own life, uh, because, you know, things happen, and, and um, it's always good to check in with headquarters, make sure nothing's going on. But, uh, you know, how do we do that? How, how, do we, uh, how do we go to the throne of grace? Well, in Hebrews chapter 4, it says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So, uh, if you're sick, well, what do you need help with? To be healed, right? So, can't you get help in time of need? So, if you're in sick, if you're sick, you have need of healing. Uh, and so you go to the throne of grace. Now, you know, technically, for the most part, you don't even have to go to the throne of grace because it's already been given to you, right? By his stripes, you were healed. And so it's a, it's a past tense purchase of your healing already today. So all you need to do is exercise today the name of Jesus. Uh, and there's really no re- need to go to heaven about it. But if things are not working as quickly as, you sh- as they should or uh, as you would hope them to, to do, then it, you know, it doesn't hurt to go to the throne of grace boldly. Say, Lord, just check it in, making sure hey, anything that I'm doing that would be hindering my healing. And, you know, he may say, well, you know, that little word you said to your wife the other day. I mean, because uh, doesn't First Peter chapter 3 say to, to honor your wife as a fellow heir of the grace of life? Uh, honor your spouse as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Uh, that your prayers be not hindered. Right, so there can be a hindrance in your spiritual life if you don't treat your wife right. Now, it's kind of unfair that the other way is never said. Never says about the wife, you know, she can treat you bad all you want to and get away with it, you know, I guess, you know. Uh, and so, I mean, my wife, you know, you see how, how messed up she is all the time, right? Uh, and so, uh, and she, she has no fear about it all, you know. I can't even think a thought about her without being in, in the dreadful fear of the Lord, you know. But, uh, and so, uh, it's, uh, but see, you can, go to the th- you can go to the throne in boldness, right? Not begging, oh, Lord, you know, just boldly, right? Boldly is not begging and fearful in a sense of, you know, uh, maybe he, you reckon he's going to answer me today? And you go boldly and say, Lord, I, I'd like to know, just checking in, any problems with me not receiving my healing? Because some things do take a while to, to do, right? Sometimes, sometimes you know, and, and why that is, I don't know. There's nothing in the Bible that says it has to happen immediately, right? Uh, nothing that says that it has to happen overnight. Some things do, some things, you know, I've had some things, uh, you know, more often than not, they happen quickly, but some things I've had to spend a year working on, a whole year. Uh, and, and um, but see, I check in with headquarters, Lord, any problems here? Any reason? He may say, you know, you got mad at your dog, you know, you got an unforgiveness with your dog, you need to repent, you know, it's just a dog, it's still, I created it, didn't I? Well, yeah, you know, uh, so, you know, go ask Jesse to plant it. So the Lord told him to go repent to his dog, you know, because he treated it bad. Uh, and so, but it was a chihuahua, and uh, no disrespect to Miss Patty, but, you know, it'd be, it'd be really easy to ch- treat a chihuahua badly, you know. Uh, and so, I'm glad we don't have one. So, uh, Miss Patty loves him. I'm glad she loves him, you know. And so, uh, but, uh, <laughs> so, uh, I, I, I don't have to, have to repent about how I treat my dog. Uh, but, uh, maybe there's something there, right? But see, even if that thought comes, you just deal with it. Well, here's a, here's a good way to find out. Well, just go ask the Lord. Lord, anything outstanding I need to deal with? Lord, maybe say, well, this or that, right? There was one fellow that Brother Hagin was praying for, and he had some, some uh, sickness there. Uh, and um, uh, 
the Lord said, he's sick because uh, I've been dealing with him from to pay his tithes, and he won't pay his tithes. Uh, and so he got in prayer line, and Brother A said, what are you going to do about your tithes? <laughs> and, of course, you know, he was kind of like Alfred because he didn't know. That, you know, he hadn't told anybody. Uh, and uh, he said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start paying him. And the Lord gave him credit. You know, he, he, he got healed immediately once he said that. You know, and he, started, he did start to pay his tithes. But it's interesting because I've heard that story, Brother Hagin tell that story so many times, but then I heard him tell it again the other day, and he said somebody else came to me in the church said, well, that person over there, we know they're not paying their tithes, but they got healed, so why they get why they get away with it? And he said, well, you'll have to ask the Lord about that. That's not, I'm not the judge of anybody. The Lord told me about this man, and so, you know, so so, and that's the way it works, right? If the Lord's dealing with you about this thing, he may not be dealing with them th- them about that thing, but he's dealing with them uh, this person about that thing. So if if once you know. And you don't do it. Remember what James said? That he who knows to do right but doesn't do it, to him it is sin. But see, if they didn't know, you know, I mean, you know, if they don't know, if they've never had the revelation, right? They may have the head knowledge, but oh, the revelation about paying tithes. They should just, you should still pay tithes. But if they don't have the revelation of it, if the Lord hadn't dealt with them specifically about that. Now, if he has, now they're in sin. But, but if they hadn't really dealt with them, because he, he, may, he may have five other things that he's trying to deal with them about. And the Lord is gracious and not, you know, just think if the Lord dealt with you about all your problems all at once. All of us would curl up in a fetal position and just cry every day, right? I'm a horrible person. Uh, but see, uh, you can go to the Lord, anything I got to deal with, and be willing to deal with it if he tells you, right? But if he, if, if he doesn't tell you anything, then, then with all boldness, I'd say, then there's nothing for me to deal with. Then I'm good. Then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay the course of faith. And, and be unwavering in my faith. Because that's the only way you can, that's the only, if you're going to live boldly by faith, then, then uh, because cause sin always destroys confidence. Uh, and, uh, and a lot of times when people have no confidence in the word because they've got sin they don't want to deal with. You know, I know to go to church, but I'm just not going to church. Well, people like that will have no confidence in their spiritual life. Uh, you know, they may all act all bold and all, you know, uh, all, all this and that, but they've got no boldness to stand in faith because they know to do right. They just don't want to do right. Uh, and, and so now the, is the Lord putting the pox on them because they're not doing what he said to do? No, but, but when they need help, then, he, then, he, then you know, many times it would be like, well, you need to take care of this one thing here first. And, and once you take care of that, you know, th- then, uh, th- then we can deal with it, right? Uh, and, and so... Uh, there was another lady in, in that in that same prayer line. Well, I think it was that same prayer line, but uh, that he was talking to, and the Lord uh, gave him a vision of uh, just like last week. Uh, I think she was either the pastor's wife or the pastor's wife was there with her. She's screaming and hollering at this other woman, just you know, really uh, letting her have it. And then she comes in prayer line and wants wants to be prayed for, and and uh, and the Spirit of God showed Brother Hagen gave him a vision. Now, now, look, if, if the Lord gives somebody a vision and shows you what you were doing last week, you might suspect that that could be God trying to deal with you, right? If nobody else knew about it and, and you know, God tell you, reads your mail, I mean, you might suspect that God's dealing with you, right? In fact, that one fellow, when, when Brother Hagin said that, he, he looked at Brother Hagin and said, you must be a fortune teller because God could never do anything supernatural. He's got to be a fortune teller, right? Uh, which is kind of absurd, but... Uh, so the Lord showed him about this lady. Hey, you know, she's in prayer line, wants prayer. Uh, well, are you going to repent? Well, I didn't do anything wrong. 
well, you're a liar, right? You know, I mean, uh, if the Lord said to repent, then you should repent, right? Uh, if the Lord showed you, if the Lord show, showed this person, here's what you're doing, and, and why would he do that? Well, many times he'll do that if you're unwilling to hear by his, by his spirit, because I believe the Lord always wants to deal with us specifically by his spirit first, amen? And that if you still won't listen to his spirit, sometimes you'll have people come in and try to help you. And if you still won't do that, sometimes you'll have a donkey come and talk to you, right? I mean, you know, when a donkey comes to you, you've hit a low, a low bar, right? When the Lord has to find a donkey to come and talk to you, right? Uh, and so some people say that God will never use somebody with more anointing or less anointing than you to, uh, to speak to you. Well, how much anointing is a donkey got, right? Uh, and so, uh, but anyway, so, uh, so we come boldly to the throne of grace. Amen. Uh, doesn't hurt to check in, but don't be a fearful person. Don't be a person that's always, because some people, they're always wondering. They're always, they, they live a life, there's, pro, uh, there's probably something there. Probably something there. And, you know, the easiest way to solve that is just start doing what the Lord says to do. If, if you just know the Lord has, uh, has, wants you to go to church, then go to church. You know, some people are just like, well, you know, maybe there's something there. Well, you know there's something there. Then go do it. Yeah, but I don't want to do it. Well, then stay the way you are. You know, I mean, I don't understand. To me, I don't understand that concept because all, uh, all blessings come about after some obedience somewhere. Right? There's, no, there's no blessings that will not be preceded by obedience, right? Uh, when you were obedient to get born again, blessings came. When you're obedient to ask for forgiveness, blessings come. Amen? Uh, and so uh, I, I don't understand the resistance to obedience. Uh, I mean, I, I understand I understand in general, but, but what's the alternative? Stay the way you are? I mean, is that, is that a good way to be, just wherever you are? I mean, if you're okay with the way you are, fine, but uh, I'm never okay with the way that I'm. I want to be better every day, right? Uh, but I'll never get better unless I learn to be obedient in whatever, whatever in the moment the Lord is telling me. If he's telling me and dealing with me about that thing, maybe there might be a thousand million people dealing with that same thing that I am, but I may be the only one God is dealing with at that moment. And so I'm the only one required to have obedience in that moment. Nobody else at this, at this uh, exact moment in time is required to be obedient to that because nobody else has been given that specific revelation. I understand the word is always there, uh, but, you know, how many times have you read the word of God and uh, one verse speaks to you, right, and you read it a hundred times, but today that one verse speaks to you, right? That means that in that moment you need to be obedient to that verse, right, because if the Lord reveals it to you, then you need to take confidence that the Lord has, has spoken to you and he wants you in the moment of time to deal with that verse. And that's really why a lot of Christians um, suffer in this world is because I believe every Christian will get the, get the revelation of healing at some point in time. But I, I bet there's millions and millions of Christians that have gotten that one little spark of revelation that, you know, maybe God is my healer. And they go, nah. And so what did they do? They missed out on that opportunity to be obedient to that word to, to declare God's their healer. And, and until they go back and address that, they may be stuck in, their, in whatever case, whatever situation they're in, right, at that point in time. Uh, and, then, you know, it's not a death sentence. It doesn't have to be, but, but we can change. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, so these are good things, right? Life unto those that find them, health to how much of your flesh? All your flesh, so that means your toes, right, your fingers, your elbows, your knees, your earlobes, right, uh, every part of your flesh, uh, there's health to all of your flesh. That's a pretty good verse for an Old Testament verse, right? 
Uh, and so uh, and if we've been given better things, right, if God has provided better things for us, then that's just table stake. That's just starting out point. That's your ante, right? That's what you, that's when you uh, we're not trying to talk about gambling or anything, but that's just that's just the beginning. Right. That's where the foundation starts and you build upon that. Uh, and so uh, so we'll, we'll finish up this. Well, like I say, next week, we, uh, Miss Marilyn will be with us next week. So we'll finish it up in a couple of weeks from now. So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you. For the word of God and Father, we do thank you that if we find them, if we find your word, Father, that the result of us finding your word and then doing what you've asked us to do uh, regarding that word, that it, it will be health unto all of our flesh. So, Father, there's no part of sickness and disease in any part of our flesh, whether it's our blood, our, our, our muscles, our bones, Father, our organs, uh, any part of our body that is not well fits under all of our flesh. And so, Father, we declare boldly that, that uh, these words, the word of God, is health to all my flesh. Every aspect, every cell, Father, every joint, every bone, Father, every muscle, every organ, Father, uh, has health in it because of your word. And so, Father, we thank you that there's no limits to the amount of health that we can live in each and every day. We thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. So how much of our flesh is, is the word of God health to? All. All our flesh. That word all, you know, that, that concept of all is found throughout the word of God in different places, right? Uh, and this is a pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, uh, verse right here that's uh, health to all of our flesh. So you can meditate on, on, and get a lot of good stuff out of just that one verse. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. Um, and so, like I said, Miss Marilyn will be with us uh, here next week. And, um, you know, she's got a, a great testimony with the Lord's healed her. Uh, spectacular, you know, several different times, right? She's been close to death many times. I guess I need to ask her, you know, what's the deal, right? Because, I mean, I've never been close to death. Don't plan on being it. But, you know, I mean, something you need to change. You know, I don't know. But, um uh, uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna sit in judgment over her though, but a lot of it was just uh, especially when she was young in the Lord, and didn't know anything, didn't know enough about the believing God, but she but even in the midst of that, without a lot of training, uh, she she relied upon the healing power of God and got uh, supernaturally spectacularly healed, Amen. Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering, and then also of course next uh, Sunday we'll have our church meal. Uh, uh, and we usually line those up with guest ministers. And is there a theme or anything this week? No theme. So, um, oh, there is a sign-up sheet. All right. So I'll sign up for Dinty Moore uh, Beef Stew, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, I told you that uh, we had a, a youth uh, fundraiser years ago. And um, uh, so all the parents were supposed to bring uh, beef stew or some kind of soup for the kids to sell, right? So we did all the work, and they sell, sold everything, made all the money. Uh, well, Chris was out of town, so, you know, I'm a little desperate, so I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to, uh, uh, I think, okay, Dinty Moore, because I grew up in Dinty Moore, right? My, I'm pretty sure my left foot is made out of Dinty Moore beef stew, right? That's, that's, we didn't make homemade beef stew, you know, who did stuff like that? Uh, and so Jerry somehow caught wind of it, uh, and he just said, no, you, you, um, I refuse to allow you to do that. You know, I'll, I'll make some for you. Uh, and uh, you you keep your own Dinty Moore beef stew there. And if you're a fan of Dinty Moore, you know, uh, me and you can hook up, but nobody else apparently. So 
Uh, anyway, praise God. Uh, health to all your flesh, right? Amen. We'll be blessed and you're dismissed.